Michelob Ultra Tuscan Orange Grapefruit. My God, America is imploding. America is still imploding. Uh, it's been true since I added that uh, that intro, and it's still happening. Welcome to another episode of Fan Zone Debate. Uh, we got another rookie match for you today. We got Robert Kastner, uh, fandom and Warzone sensation. Now coming into the uh, now coming into the debate ring. On the other side of things, we got Jack Pinchuk, fandom and camera breaking up in YLS episode sensation. Uh, we will see how it does for him tonight in debate. Uh, very excited about this one. A uh, couple guys that both, when they signed up to play, I was like, yeah, this could this is going to be interesting. Like these guys can definitely talk about movies, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do in the debate ring uh, and what kind of style they bring to it. So, uh, Cody, you were here to judge this one with me. How are you feeling about this matchup? Uh, yeah, so Kastner um, is a great trivia player. Um, uh, he's part of Fun DMC, and I don't have to deal with any of those faction dramas anymore, so it's great that I don't have to, like, hate them for no reason anymore. So uh, I hope he does well. Uh, I hope that Jack put more thought into his prepped argument than he does his YLS list at times, because I think I post something on the Facebook page, and uh, about uh, 42 seconds later, I have a list from Jack um, that's uh, breaking down the top 10. So hopefully he thought about his arguments. Uh, but this is actually, it's like a 51-49. I don't actually know who can win this, because uh, it's going to come down to the counterpoints, I think. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and Kirk is here for another rookie match as well. Kirk, uh, thank you for being here. And what do you think about these two people in debate? Yeah, this is why I'm really excited about this season because we got a bunch of people uh, like Caster, like Jack, uh, you know, newcomers of trivia last year who are now coming in to do this, who kind of discovered debate as an ancillary thing, like I think most of us did. And uh, <clears throat> it's just cool to see, you know, it's a whole different skill set. So I'm excited to see how, you know, what they do in trivia translates into this. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start uh, by talking to Mr. Pinchuk. Jack, welcome to the program. Uh, you are now here for debate. How do you feel about uh, debating Robert this evening? Well, I feel pretty good about debating Robert. Uh, I mean, him and I uh, are pretty, well, I don't want to say evenly matched uh, trivia players because he's like uh, rookie rookie of the year, like a bunch of uh, fans or multiplex awards but like i feel like we were pretty close in our match uh and so i'm excited to argue movies about or with them so i totally forgot you guys went to sudden death together in fandom fights last like year I, to I totally forgot about that when i made this mat this matchup so this is even better now totally <laughs> forgot about that that's incredible uh so with that being said we'll bring in mr kastner uh robert welcome you are now here for debate you've played in the other uh leagues over here at multiplex but now you're here for this how do you feel about debating jack today tim i'm surprised to hear that you didn't remember that i figured this was just when when i get started in stuff jack has to be here to shepherd me in uh feels good i've never got a chance to talk long form in a multiplex situation so i was thinking that you as an illustrious panel would think about me debating and be like i don't know because i've never heard him talk longer than giving an answer for 10 seconds but here i am i'm another uh, bearded pittsburgh person who happens to be on the stream so uh we're the majority i guess that's good for me uh i'm looking forward to debating jack uh jake jack's got these cool takes uh you can see that kind of in how this is going on with the things that we're going to debate 
so I'm looking forward to try to counter them. All right. Sounds good. Well, guys, here's how the show is going to work. Uh, the players drafted categories and the writers uh, came up with some questions for those categories. Uh, they're going to debate them before our very souls this evening. So uh, each player is going to get a one minute opening, followed by a five minute free form between the two players. Then they will each get a one minute closing. Then Cody, Kirk and I will write on our handy dandy boards who we think should win that point best two out of three wins the point and the first person to three points wins the match if we are tied after four prep questions we will issue a speed round question and we will uh discuss the rules for that should we get there gentlemen do you have any questions before we get into this nope no all right let's do it It is time to fight with our first question, which was drafted by Mr. Pinchuk in my favorite category. And uh, he was specific with this one. Good job, Jack, because I might have tried to screw you otherwise. Uh, Jack specifically did live action Lord of the Rings. Uh, so your question in Middle Earth live action Lord of the Rings is, which Lord of the Rings character would be the worst roommate? Lots of options here. Uh, Jack, you drafted this, so you're going to get to kick this one off. You have one minute to open your argument when you start talking, and I will come in to give you a 10-second warning when the time comes. Okay. What is it that makes a terrible roommate? Uh, I would know I've had a couple of them, but uh, someone that is selfish, arrogant, lazy, a fire hazard, and above all of that, a disgusting, disgusting eater. And there is no character in the Lord of the Rings trilogy that embodies all of that better than Denethor, who is just the most delusional man in in Middle Earth. And I guess for now, I'll just concede the rest of my time to the freeform. Okay, conceding about thirty seconds of time, we will move over to Robert, who will open his argument. Robert, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. Gentlemen and gentlemen of the deciding jury here, what I want from a roommate is someone who's responsible for themselves, someone who can have a good time, keep to themselves whenever you have company on occasion, and someone who contributes to the well-being of your dwelling. Uh, amongst our options, uh, one person has someone who is a human who you can reason with. I chose Shelob, a demon spider who likes to indiscriminately eat sentient beings, someone who you have to fear for your life on all the time, and someone who's going to mess up your domicile without consideration, not going to contribute to the well-being of your living space. Good luck having them go to shop or whatever, because she's not going to do that. She's going to hang out in her cave, uh, in her room all the time, and not really set up so that you're having a good time where you're living. Again, exhibit A, one person's a human. On exhibit B, on my side, Demon spider. That's all I have to say. All right. Uh, Shelob, Denethor. Five minute freeform. One of you starts talking. Please don't talk over each other, or I will come in and beat you with a stick. Go ahead, Jack. You got it. Okay. 
Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, Shelob, of course, giant spider, uh, very intimidating uh, room, uh, prospect for a roommate. But if I'm going to be living with Shelob as a roommate, then we have clearly signed some kind of a lease together. And honestly, Shelob, not totally useless, can contribute to the house. Have you ever heard of pest control? She could take care of any any pests you've got in the house. Plus, she's a neat eater, which is so much better than Denethor, having a meal with Denethor. Neat so. eater, but terrible as it comes to maintaining the living space with all the webbing that's around. And I don't know how you could get Shelob to agree to anything unless you have the light of Arendelle in your back pocket. And you probably don't have that unless you were in Lothlorien. And if you have to go there, that's a long trip with a lot of costs and expenses, probably gas. Yeah, there's a lot of journeying that you have to do to try to get that to be agreed upon. And what you're saying about Denethor, about being a hazard of fire, I will say that uh, given what's going on in the world nowadays in the U.S. with the bomb cyclones and stuff, I want someone who knows their way around a fire because they'll keep me warm uh, as I'm trying to survive all the coldness that's happening. If your definition of knowing their way around fire is lighting themselves on fire, then then I guess you've got your man there with Denethor. But here's the thing. Denethor is the biggest, and I, I, I cannot stress this enough, the biggest sad sack of a man in, in this franchise who I cannot think of a scene where he did not bring up his dead son more than four or less than four times because that is just the biggest buzzkill. And honestly, Shelob keeps to herself, which is kind of, which is a lot, of, which is really nice. And if you're around the house and Shelob's there, have you heard of exposure therapy? Because I am someone who is severely arachnophobic and I would rather live with Shelob than Denethor. Well, Denethor, before there was wartime issues, uh, did keep the kingdom going and would have been operating fairly standardly, if not for the fact that there was impending doom on its way. Uh, yeah, I mean, Denethor can keep to himself a little bit, but at least he will contribute and he's reasoned with as a human. And you mentioned that he always brings up his dead son. Uh, he does have servants. Uh, he does like to eat, be merry, and be entertained. So at least your living space would be sort of like a party central and keep things interesting. And as the steward of Gondor, uh, more than likely, they have servants running around. You get to take advantage of the fact that he has money, his servants uh, hanging out with you, doing all kinds of stuff for you, keeping you cleaned and fed. Shelob doesn't do any of that. Uh, Shelob's going to keep you up all night because that's when she does most of her uh, grazing and whatnot. So good luck getting any sleep. Uh, doesn't, if <laughs> when we're talking about like contributing to rent, uh, Shelob would only contribute money if she was stealing it from the dead bodies of people. And if there's dead bodies around your place, that makes you somewhat of an accessory to murder and stealing, uh, which does bring about moral and ethical dilemmas. Let's talk about the rent situation or what what that would look like. Mm -hmm. Say you had to you had to shoulder most of the rent month to month, which I I, I know I could manage that uh fine enough uh but if i didn't if i came up a little short and the landlord came knocking at the door who would be uh who would be there to kind of intimidate him into a couple more days of uh getting the rent in shelob there like i said there are there are plus sides to having shelob as a roommate they're not like you mean like potentially getting poisoned let's talk about like when uh how she could paralyze someone for like a few hours and one then minute 
whatever. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about that for a moment. How her singer, because if you're having uh, like a family Christmas or something, Denethor is going to be just the worst possible person to have there. Shelob, at least, like, she'll keep to herself, probably, uh, but, uh, and even then, if one of your relatives is just beyond, uh, like, is just so drunk and beyond reason, then she can come down, sting, paralyze for a couple hours, and let them just sleep it off. There. I love That's the your scenario you're painting, Jack, but it's it's unrealistic. And speaking about uh, keeping the peace, uh, Denethor does have access to the Guard of the Citadel, and there's an important thing about the Guard of the Citadel. He did hire a halfling to be part of the guard of the citadel so we know that he doesn't have any issue with race so in situations where you have people coming up uh thanksgiving dinners and whatnot you won't have any awkward race conversations <laughs> holy shit uh robert you get to start your closing you have one minute when you start talking my competitor brings up ideas that we want to be exposed to a demon spider for the purpose of you know, getting used to it and that Shelob can act as muscle in case bad things happen. But he did mention that you probably have to shoulder the responsibility of uh, the, the rent as a result. Um, Denethor, again, he does have some bad tendencies, but he is someone who can be reasoned with. He is someone who ran a kingdom. He is someone who has people to wait on him hand and foot, which you can take advantage of. He's has a very, he's very committed to his job. He only lost his job because he killed himself. Uh, so all these things speak to him being someone who's very committed and on track and focused. And again, he is a person and Shelob is a demon spider who likes to eat people and hang out with a bad crowd. Because if you see where Shelob was from, Shelob hung out with a lot of uh, ne'er-do-wells, we'll say. So that brings a lot about uh, sort of a negative element for your place. You don't want that. You want to just enjoy, have a good time. Denethor can do that. Shelob cannot. Time. Okay, we will move over to Jack for his one-minute closing when he starts talking. So Robert brought up near the end uh, how the scenario I'm painting is unrealistic. Having a demon spider as a roommate in, in and of itself is unrealistic. And are we really sure that Denethor would have all his servants or all his money uh, when he's li living not in Minas Tirith? No. Honestly, there's more plus sides that I can see to Shelob being a roommate than there is to Denethor being a roommate. And that's just the, at the end of the day, I'd honestly rather live with Shelob than Denethor. So I'll concede the rest of my time. Okay. Um, we will bring in the judges. And get rolling. Judges, are we prepared? I am ready. Okay. I'm going to start this one off. Um, I went with Robbie C on this one. Um, I thought that um, when when Jack did his opening and pitching how douchey Denethor is, I was like, yeah, this is a good pick. Uh, but then Robert just absolutely demolished how uh as unrealistic of a roommate she love is um it, that that how unrealistic a roommate she love is and how despite denethor's you know bad tendencies he is a human 
who has a lot of benefits as well, has run a kingdom, all of the above. Uh, so I give it to Robert. Uh, Cody, where are you voting? Um, yeah, this is weird. This is really weird. <laughs> um, um, there was a minor minor flex in the middle of it that, like, fuck. If you got a roommate, don't worry. Jack can cover the cost even if you're not getting any money from the other person. What the fuck? Which I thought was one of the worst arguments ever of a roommate. This guy's not paying. I got it. Why is he a roommate? So I went with Robert and it hit my chest. But like, I just thought, like, regardless, he's a spider. <laughs> Jack basically. Then he went to Christmas. And if you're having a roommate, why are you inviting people to Christmas? There was a lot of questions I had for this entire time. And then we got the race issues. So this is a really good, uh, I guess, I guess Shelob is the best person to be a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kirk, your vote doesn't count, but where do you have gone and why? Here's the thing. A um, little bit about how the sausage is made on this show. I hope Tim is about to be drawn behind the curtain. You go for Wh- it. Whoever, when we when a category gets picked, whoever picked that category picks their answer second. So Robert picked Shelob first. And Jack still just picked a person. And I respect that. <laughs> It would have been really easy to just be like, oh, Balrog or Sauron, I went, went up the monster. He still went with the person and fought it. And I respect that, that he did that, and he gave it his all. He didn't give a good fight. It was close, but this came down to something I needed to hear. Robert pegged his argument on how uh, Denethor could be reasoned with, and Denethor is not really a reasonable character at all. If Jack would have hit that, I probably would have given him a vote, but otherwise I went with Robert. All right. Uh, so Robert does win the first point. Uh, we are going to move on to the next question, which was drafted by Robert. It is in the category of sports films, specifically basketball movies. So the question is, who is the best coach in a basketball movie? So Robert, you get to start this one. You have one minute when you start talking. I think when most people think about good coaches, they mostly think about results. But I also think when you think about good coaches, it's about how they connect with their players, how they connect with the community at large, or how it is they can turn the tide of how the community thinks about them, and how it is that they teach beyond what's going on on the court. Uh, I picked Normandale from Hoosiers. Now, beyond the fact that he hadn't coached for like 12 years and then came in and took this small school in Indiana that never had any business, only had seven players, and by the way, only seven uh, unathletic white players in the 1950s took them to a state championship, got them over beside what the main community was thinking about how it is a basketball team should run. Uh, he managed to get beyond all that, despite a somewhat lack of experience and was able to make them champions. So not only does he have the result oriented factor, but he also helped uh, people. He helped Jimmy Chitwood get over his fear and, uh, everything that was going on, and he helped bring the community at large back to Hickory. Time. All right, we'll move over to Jack, who has one minute to open his argument when he starts talking. So, yeah, like Robert said, there are the coaches, like, what makes a good coach? Obviously, results matter. And that's something that uh, Ken Carter did, honestly, almost better than Norman Dale uh, turning a four and 22 team into a 16, no team uh, the next season. That's remarkable in and of itself, but beyond that, how, how they interact with the players, that is the other half of the job. And Ken Carter 
treats his players with respect and respects or uh, and expects respect back, which is more than from what I can tell from Norman Dale, more than that, more than I can say for him. Uh, I, yeah, no, he, I guess I'll just save my rest, the rest of my arguments for the free form. Okay. Um, so we have five minute free form when one of you starts talking. So the issue I have with uh, saying that Normandale uh, positive, like a, kind of like a positive influence uh, or on the players or even like why he hadn't coached for uh, 12 years. The reason yeah. he hadn't coached is because he hit a player and he was banned from coaching. Yeah, but we didn't see that. We did see Ken Carter uh, physically assault a player. No, uh, we saw his practice. Yes, that was a physical assault. He put his hands on him yeah. and he shoved him up against a wall. And he, After and he the tried him and tried to hit him in the head. There was, it's not Ken Carter uh, attacking a player. It's Ken Carter defending himself from an attacking player. There's. <laughs> He asked for it. He was he was goading him on because he knew that that wasn't a player that was going to be able to stick around. Honestly, yeah, and that's what you want from a coach to know which players are long for this team and which are not, and are uh, therefore able to be cut with no 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 uh, hesitation there. And that's a good good quality of coach. You know what's not a great quality quality of coach? Someone that gets thrown out of games out of their own games and that happened to normandale twice three times you count the time he intentionally did it but twice. yes and speaking of the intentional time he did it what i'm talking about with regards to being a coach beyond what's going on on the court he helped coach jimmy even when he wasn't really coaching jimmy because he made him be comfortable with his grieving process and really kept him at arm's length despite what everybody told him to do and then he also helped coach shooter uh is basically his best friend at this point uh, to be an assistant coach and to have confidence in himself when he's going through this terrible detox, even breaking a promise for him to help him stand up on his own two feet. So he's not only coaching the kids, which he did a good job of, a little bit better than Carter because Coach Carter, basically most of his coaching was just getting them to be uh, to do calisthenics and running. At least uh, Norman Dale was trying to teach drills and getting them to act as a unit. But going back to my original point, Norman Dale at least was trying to kind of coach the community at large, a community that was against him from the outset. At least coach Carter had uh, somewhat support. Uh, the only time he really didn't have any support is when he did the lockout, which by the way, caused them to lose games. Uh, yes, it caused them to lose games, but it also caused six of his players to graduate and be enrolled into college, which if you're talking about uh, what's more important uh, bringing basketball back to this community that never really had basketball or having half your team graduate high school and move on to post-secondary. I tend to lean with the latter there. So I, Can I, I ask know. you one big question, Jack? You're talking about results are important, right? I didn't yeah. mention that. Results are important. Yes, they're uh, important. Did, did, your, did your team coached by your guy go very far in the tournament? No, uh, they lost. No. They lost in the first round, Jack. At least my yeah. guy went through and won sectionals and regionals and won the state championship in a vaunted Butler Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, which the small town people had, had never been a part of against a superiorly talented and height advantaged opponent. So at least Look, there, yeah. I mean, there's that. I mean, sure, there is that, and obviously, yes, they lost in the first round of the tournament. But sometimes, and 
you don't have the Cinderella story every with every team. Sometimes the other team is just better. Like that, and that's that. That just sometimes they're more skilled. Sometimes, uh, like it, it, like the players at the end of the day are the ones playing the game. It's not up to the coach to win the game. While they do play a big part of it, the players at the end of the day are the people that get the job done. And the the opposing team, they just had the better players. They were number one ranked in the state for a reason. I mean, Coach Carter. I mean, Norman Dale did physically say that he loves his. He loves his players. He did say that to them before the championship game. Um, Coach Carter, after they won a tournament, uh, basically chided them for celebrating a big accomplishment, which I thought was uh, a little bit uh, heavy-handed. He also wasn't really aware and, and getting to know his players. He didn't know Junior's brother Anton had died. He didn't know Lyle's dad was in prison. He didn't know Kenyon had a pregnant girlfriend. There's a lot of stuff about his players that he was unaware of. And not to mention the fact that at least Norman Dale had a teaching job, so he had two things to go with. Uh, Coach Carter was just focusing primarily on basketball and wasn't even caring about like his business to the point where like his co-manager was telling him that he wasn't even keeping up to snuff. So Norman Dale had more on his plate and seemed to care more about his players overall. Yes. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, no. I'll just save the rest for my closing then. There's two seconds. Time. All right. Um, we are going to start with Jack for the closing here. Jack, you have one minute when you start talking. So just to counter that last point, Norman Dale didn't, or not Norman Dale, Ken Carter didn't chastise his team for celebrating. He chastised his team for sneaking out and going to this to, to this party, but whatever. The, the point is, Ken Carter turned a 4 and 22 team into a 16 and 0 team that went against the number 1 team in the state. Uh he benched the entire team because they were failing classes and wouldn't end the lockout until the entire team was passing. That is what a coach uh what a coach that cares about the team and cares about the players would do. He helped six of them graduate and go into university and honestly uh, when you, when your uh, head coach hires a struggling alcoholic uh, to be the assistant coach, like Norman Dale did, uh, think it, that that's not exactly a smart move. Because what happens if they relapse? Oh, wait a minute, he did, and it had disastrous consequences. Time. Okay, move over to Robert for his closing. You have one minute when you start talking. It's all about second chances. Uh... Norman Dale tried to give Jimmy a second chance by actually not really bringing him into the fold, just letting him uh, deal with his grief on his own. He gave shooters second chances, and that didn't have any negative consequences because Hickory High ended up winning that game. Um, Coach Carter, uh, he didn't even really want the job. He was distracted uh, with his son at prep school. There's other things on his plate. Uh, by the time of the first game, he didn't even build up a valid offense. I mean, how do you go into your first game and not even coach offense whatsoever? That's ridiculous. He gave a player an impossible task with the purpose of trying to make them quit. At least Norman Dale during the drills they're running. Uh, and again, he didn't even have a full team. He only had seven players during the drills he was running. He was trying to build a camaraderie and trying to build team spirit. He was trying to build a team chemistry and had an idea of an offense in place. Uh, at least coach Carter had, uh, the community behind him, Normandale, had to fight that in addition to fighting all of his demons and the demons of the people around him. Normandale, much better coach. Time. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we'll bring in the judges. 
Um, this one was tough. All right. We all ready? Mm-hmm. Kirk, you start. Okay. Um, yeah, the, Cody's right. This was tough. It was close. Uh, it was a little hard for me because I've seen one of these movies, haven't seen the other, so I really tried to focus just on what I was hearing and not what I knew about the movies, uh, try to balance it out. Uh, they both had a lot of good points about you know the, the, the results and winning and the relationships. Um, the one thing that went, went me over, um, I gave my point to Jack um, because I really like how Jack focused on um, the results, you know, like I said, it's not about winning every game. You know, they took them from, you know, four and whatever to 60. No, don't have to win every game. Uh, plus, he focused on the, the educational aspects, which um, I don't think Robert had accounted for that much. And, you know, the importance of, you know, getting them to graduate, getting to college, make sure they're passing. Um, so the combination of those two is what put Jack over the edge for me. All right. Uh, I went with Kastner. Um, I thought that I, I agree with everything Kirk is saying. I thought that uh, Jack's closing in particular was quite strong, uh, was probably the strongest part of this whole argument. Um, but I thought that Robert did enough to explain to me um, why Coach Carter was maybe a little bit harder on his players than he needed to be, um, like uh, f- physically and verbally and that maybe some of the actions were like noble with like the school and stuff but overall like didn't create like great relationships with the kids like he convinced me of that i i i like you kirk have seen one of these movies and haven't seen the other so i was going off that stuff and that that to me actually won robert over for me so i went with robert so cody gets to decide this one i'm gonna lead with rich what rich men um love the movie Love the movie. I think it's great. Uh, so I had to. I actually had to draw the line here because I was thinking if I had to break it down as coach, not educator, not faculty member, but a coach, and where it bro- where everybody taught in that line. Because I think if somebody brought up somebody that wasn't a high school coach that was just a normal coach in the thing the graduating students, the putting through the lockouts wouldn't have any effect on the question of best coach. Best coach where it broke down was Robert for me. Is Coach Carter the better educator? 100% through and through, I thought, when that's where Jack argued it. But when it came down to grit and calling plays and being the coach to the coach, Robert wins that point for me. So I had to go with Robert. All right. So uh, with that, Robert wins the second point. Uh, we are going to move on to question number three. Jack does need to hit this in order to stay in the game. If Robert hits this, it will be a KO. So uh, the category is going to be uh, the category of actors and actresses. The question is, what Hugh Jackman performance is the most underrated? Uh, so Jack, you get to start this one. You have one minute when you start talking. So what we're talking here is underrated, not best. And Hugh Jackman has had a ton of great performances over his many years of a career. Uh, But there are obviously films that get more and performances that get more love than others. His beautiful emotional farewell to his most beloved character in Logan uh, when he was a desperate father that just wanted to get his daughter back in prisoners or when he was the real life. Uh, school district superintendent of Dr. Frank Tassone in Bad Education. Those are all widely considered his best performances. And uh, 
some one that's sadly not up there with the others is his performance in Christopher Nolan's 2006 masterpiece, The Prestige, as Robert Angier, also known as the Great Danton. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'll save the rest of my time. Okay, ending about 10 seconds early, we will move over to Robert. Uh, Robert, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. Listening to Jack's opening, I wasn't really sure what he was talking about or what he was getting to, because I think a lot of people consider The Prestige obviously one of Christopher Nolan's best, and the performances in that to be pretty spot on, and and those that require a lot of uh, grace and, and dignity in what he did. I think the one that he skipped over, the, the Prisoner's one with Keller Dover, is his most underrated, because it's really his most relatable character. All his characters he ever plays are sort of this larger than life, or they're fantastical, or they're mystic and magic. Logan, P.T. Barnum, Jean Valjean, and even Robert Angier, who is a performer. He is a magician. Uh, we've never really seen Hugh Jackman play a character with this level of intense darkness that you can relate to as a man of faith who's trying to do all he can for his kids and trying to get over his drinking problem. And I mean, there's more realism in this than anything I think that he does as Robert Angier. So thus, this makes... The Keller Dover performance in Prisoner is much more underrated, I believe. Time. Okay. Uh, you guys have five-minute freeform when one of you starts talking. Okay. So, uh, Jack, do you mind if I go first this time? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So Robert Angier is, is, is a magician. There's uh, He's a showman on stage. There's a lot of similarities to other characters he's played beyond the fact that, you know, for a large part of it, people kind of presume that he's dead and we're sort of living with him through what it is that uh, Borden's reading through the diaries. Um, he's another character who's on is searching for answers that he can't explain, a la Logan. That's sort of kind of similar to that. I kind of think there's a lot of scenes in The Prestige while, you know, he's doing a lot. I kind of think he's being outperformed, especially by Christian Bale, but even in situations by Michael Caine and even Scarlett Johansson. So what is it about Robert Angier that sort of, brings this all together as an underrated performance. How about what you just said about him, uh, about people saying that he's constantly outshone by Christian Bale or Michael Caine. He, he's not the performance that people think of when they think of the prestige, they think of Christian Bale and his, honestly, his great dual performance in that movie uh, or Michael Caine and uh, his character and how, and his relationship with Hugh Jackman, but they don't, often focus on Hugh Jackman's performance itself. Like Prisoners, you want to talk about performances that people have looked at as great. You to look at his performance in Prisoners. That have you ever heard of Oscar Buzz cuz that's uh, he got a ton of Oscar Buzz for that movie didn't get a nomination unfortunately. There was nothing going on in 2006 when he, when the prestige rolled out. No one was talking about his performance and it really hurts because that's one of his better performances and people aren't talking or don't talk about it. I mean, was there a lot of Oscar buzz for prisoners? I mean, there was stuff. I remember a lot happening with Jake Gyllenhaal because Jake Gyllenhaal is sort of the heartbeat of it. But in reality, there's a lot of, that comes through with the Keller Dover performance, this unmitigated rage in his interactions with everyone, um, no matter if it's friends or family or anyone he knows talking about his daughter's disappearance. He's sort of a detective. We never get to really see uh, Hugh Jackman as a detective. He's sort of the second banana there to Loki, and he gets to sort of play this darker, grittier 
abusive version. He gets to be the id to Loki's super ego. He's trying to Loki's working with, within the conventional aspects of the law, and Keller's acting outside the law, and he's he's trying to bottle up those demons, literally in some cases, because he's going through those uh, the drinking problems that he has, and it, basically everything that's sort of created with the Denis Villeneuve atmosphere is sort of embodied by his attitude and his feelings of hopelessness and and depression and desperation. Is there really a lot of difference in the Angier performance between him and Christian Bale? They're both obsessive magicians who are trying to one-up each other. What's the difference? Well, the difference is uh, Hugh Jackman has, uh, like in his performance, he's known loss. He lost his wife when uh, performing a mad trick with the water tank but uh no i want to go back to prisoners for a second because I, I i agree with you prisoners is a phenomenal performance and honestly one of my favorite performances in any film ever but once again we're talking underrated no one puts the prestige up there with prisoners at education uh logan or anytime he was wolverine basically uh but like the, uh the prestige has some phenomenal phenomenal moments of Hugh Jackman's performance. Everything from when he, uh, when his wife died on stage to her funeral, the whole you don't know uh, scene, that uh, that is heartbreaking. The failed bullet catch when he sabotages Borden's trick or his final monologue, one of the most heartbreaking monologues or final monologues in a movie ever. And, Chris, and uh, Hugh Jackman delivers on that. But once again, it's not that performance itself isn't recognized. There's aspects of it that are right up there with prisoners, like obsession. Both movies deal one with minute. that. Uh, but no one talks about uh, the prestige in the same vein as prisoners. I think uh, I think you're giving them too, a little too much credit with regards to how prisoners was uh, perceived, because I think a lot of people thought it was one note because he was basically just angry a lot. But there's a lot of subtlety in the less uproarious moments that happen within that film. I think there's a lot of reliance in the prestige on the mysticism and the mystery, which is sort of goes hand in hand with the Christopher Nolan movie, to keep the interest in the film and the plot and what's going on beyond just what's going on in the performances. And Bale in that, I think, is the more tragic story overall, obviously. And I don't think Hugh Jackman succeeds in that role without having this mirror in, with Bale in place to absorb his hatred and jealousy. So I don't think it's that underrated. Time. Okay. Uh, Robert, you get to close first. You have one minute when you start talking. Like I would just to portend and just to kind of advance what I was saying before, I think Jack is giving the prisoner's performance a little too much um, hype than what it was actually getting. I think a people sort of written it off. It was a Denis Villeneuve movie. There was Jake Gyllenhaal doing stuff. Um, Terrence Howard, you have Viola Davis. But I think Hugh Jackman, there's a lot of relatability in what's going on there. We don't really see that. Like I said, there's a lot of reliance in Hugh Jackman performances on what's going on around him and powers and magic. And that's sort of related in the prestige. But in Prisoners, it's all sort of boils down to just a man who's trying to find his daughter going beyond conventional methods to do so, which Again, we don't really see. We Sometimes we get Hugh Jackman with rage, but not in this vein. And I think that's what makes it more underrated than what happens in The Prestige, which, again, I think there's a lot of situations where there are other performances in that that blow Hugh Jackman off the map. And, I mean, he was in a Christopher Nolan movie, so it wasn't like it was uh, super underrated from the start. Time. Okay. 
Uh, we'll move over to Jack for his closing. You have one minute when you start talking. Nicholas Bannister in Reminiscence. Charlie Kenton, Real Steel. Hell, even Blackbeard in Pan, as shit as that movie is, that's like a genuinely decent performance and one that doesn't get any attention because the movie's so bad. But we're talking underrated here. And, and Prisoners is widely regarded among Hugh Jackman's best work. Uh, and the prestige just unfortunately isn't. Like he, he's got some of his best acted scenes in that movie with his, once again, his final monologue. And uh, much like Prisoners deals with several things that lots of uh, Hugh Jackman performances have dealt with over the years, like obsession and greed. And uh, oh man, but like, yeah, no, the prestige has not gotten nearly as much attention as Prisoners uh, for Hugh Jackman's performance. Okay. All right, let's bring in the judges. Okay. We good judges? Yep. Cody, you get to start this one. Um, so I make it a very point when I debate that I don't answer questions unless it came out of the host's mouth. Um, it's a great strategy when people fall forward and play into those games. I refuse to. Uh, Caster did a really good job of saying, hey, let me let me get you on my side of the thing and let me answer my questions how I pertain. Um, underrated is always a hard question to debate overall. It's just because where does it sit? And I think they did an okay job. I think they both matched up. I think uh, Jack did an okay job about like picking care like different characters that would be more like better performances, and he included prisoners. But I think he got lost in that kind of argument. Um, and I think uh, I put RC uh, Robert Kastner. I think Kastner was able to bring it back to like a grounded of why his performance, and also show the praise that. The prestige gets it was kind of a back and forth it was kind of like a you could have picked anybody in this one because it's just who presented it better and i just think robert used this whole time to paint it okay kirk yeah i'm with uh cody underrated overrated are the hardest questions to fight the hardest questions to judge because how do you quantify it you know, is it about? It always comes down to you know what's a better performance between the, or, or worse performance. What's more, and it, you get all that you know, like oh well, nobody says anything about it. Well, I hear people talk about it, so it's a lot of heresy and a lot of it's 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 not you guys. Don't take it personal because I don't think anybody's ever argued this quite one of these questions perfectly. Um, so I had to get in there and find some things to grasp onto because just a, a lot of information coming as a, a lot of it didn't pertain. Um, Robert started, you know, talking about the underrated thing, and at first I was like, "Nah, that's that that really doesn't have anything to do with it." But by the end, he sold me on, you know, he painted a picture of specifically why his role was underrated. So I went with Robert, where Jack, I think, just focused more on, you know, nobody talks about it, nobody talks about it. But Robert gave me concrete. This is why, you know, other people are looking at this, but they should be looking at this, and uh, that's why I went with Robert. Right, my vote doesn't count. I weirdly also put RC on my board. I said RC Cola. Um, 
yeah, uh, I also would have given it to Robert for pretty much the exact same reasons. I think that um, Jack focused a little too much on like, well, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. And Robert was like, basically was able to give me like reasons why him and the prestige might not even be the, the most underrated or best performance in that movie alone. So Robert had me convinced I went with Robert. Uh, so that means your winner is Robert Kastner by way of knockout. So uh, we are going to start by talking to Jack, Jack, you had a good first showing. Um, it obviously didn't end the way you probably wanted it to end, but um, you did well. You did well for your first time here. How are you feeling? Honestly, I feel fine pretty uh, pretty much uh, other than being kind of difficult to breathe, but that's fine. Uh, no, honestly, I'm just upset. I didn't get to argue why Alice Cullen is a better character than Carlisle, but that that's about it. <laughs> no. Uh, that's fair. Honestly... Uh, I'd play Robert again in any like trivia or debate. Like I, I, I think he's great to play against. Uh, unfortunately, I just came out on the losing end this time. So yeah, no, uh, no hard feelings towards you, Robert. You're a good player. Good job. All right, Jack. Well, thank you for being here. We'll get you in another match as soon as we can uh, to maybe get you on the one and one uh, column. So thanks, Jack, for being here. Let's move over to Robert. Robert. Uh, you won your first match uh, pretty handedly with a KO. How are you feeling? I didn't ever get to get a KO in fandom, so and I probably won't ever get based on like how who I'm going to be playing in that at some point. But uh, no, it feels great. Uh, I agree with not being able to argue the YA thing because uh, I wanted my wife to be able to see sort of the fruits of her labor in this because she <laughs> was who I bounced off of because even before why uh, Twilight became a part of YA and fandom. She wanted me to watch those movies, and I was like, no, I'm not going to watch those. And that came up. I'm like, guess what, honey? I have a reason to watch them now. Uh, but as it goes for debates, uh, Jack was game the whole time. I definitely thought we were going to do that thing where I win his categories and he wins mine, and we were going to go to sudden death. So I was just happy to convince you gentlemen uh, that I could talk and argue fairly well. And uh, I just hope this is a sign of things to come. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so this does mean you are going to move on. Uh, you will be now playing the winner of RJ and Caleb Boatman. Ooh. What do you think about the, uh, either of those matchups? Boy, if you had looked in a mirror, I definitely seem a lot like both of those gentlemen. No, I don't. Uh, I think it would be fun. I think uh, Jack and I, just based on where we come from, have somewhat similar styles and i think i have very contrasting styles to both rj and boatman so i think that would make it such a fun debate yeah absolutely so uh we will see it uh after this next title match we'll see it after that so uh you'll be in that next little uh picture coming up so uh congrats on the win and congrats on the ko let's get final thoughts from kirk uh, I'm glad we didn't get to the YA question because if I just had, had to sit here and listen to people talk positive about Twilight for five minutes, um, I may have jumped out a window. Um, but no, it was. A, I think I think Jack had a good showing. Um, I think Jack's got potential. He knows how to you know craft an argument. Just as a tweak a little bit, I think he's you know just a little more comfortable in the chair, and I think he can have a pretty solid debate career ahead of him. Uh, and Robert uh, looked good, obviously. Um, you know he you got the knockout. Um, it's going to be fun to see him play RJ or Coho, two people who have a lot of experience, uh, two really scrappy players. 
um, who I think are going to be a lot more aggressive than, you know, Jack was coming out at, you know, in his first fight. So um, that's going to be a fun match either way. Looking forward to it. And Cody, uh, final thoughts from you? Yeah, I mean, I'm a part of this rookie class of people in debate, so it's kind of nice to see people that we haven't seen over the past couple um, um, seasons play. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Jack um, did it as well as he could with what he was picking. He picked some of his fan favorites, so like it's hard to like see the way when you pick like stuff that you're absolutely passionate about to like argue against it. Um, but I think Castor did a really good job. Um, see what his strategy, like he's able to man the handle some of these debates. There's going to be some people that won't play into that. And I want to see how he adapts on that. So it's going to be interesting going forward. Bowman and RJ is going to be a weird match, but um, the winner of that and Castor should be a interesting show. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today at Fan Zone. Coming up in a couple weeks, we have the number one contenders match, Amaru versus going up uh going up against Cameron Holtzman uh to go to the to go to the big one, to go to the title match against Kirk. So we'll see who wins that match coming up pretty soon. So thank you guys for watching this one. We will see you really soon with that contender match and then the title match. So thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. That's my bad, I was sending a tweet.